This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let's begin. Let's just read. How about this? Let's read the text, and then I'll explain a little bit about where we are and what we're doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I therefore, Paul says... The prisoner of the Lord, he said that last chapter, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. I think I said this a couple weeks ago. Paul was Southern. We could just, he's, he was in y'all. That's what we need to, anybody's Bible say y'all? All right, we don't have that? All right. You don't have like the, never mind, I'm going to be good. You know, the Southern Bible. The Southern Bible. But he is in you all. As you can tell in these six verses here, leave the over overwhelming theme in these verses is that of unity is that of unity and paul begins this second section of his letter to the ephesian christians looking uh, using that transitional word therefore so he is basically saying i wrote these first three chapters and now so because of everything keystone church for the last 13 weeks that we have preached about okay now therefore because of this now we're going to begin kind of our marching orders. You see, I said at the beginning, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is all of our theological standing in Christ. And now the last three chapters are really our relationships in Christ. How do we take those theological truths and live them out on a day-to-day basis? And isn't that the struggle? Right? Isn't that the struggle? The struggle kind of of coming to church is like comprehending what's preached on Sunday and then living it in our lives Monday through Saturday. And that's a challenge sometimes. And I try not to, and, and if you've been here sometime, I think you understand this, I try my best not to just present what the Bible says and pray and go home. I try to practically apply it to our lives in 2018 because I believe that's important. Um, we're not here, you're not in a seminary. I'm not here to just teach you things. Um, I am here to teach the Bible and then apply the Bible to our lives. But he is once again highlighting here that you must know before you go. You must be grounded internally, the first three chapters, in order to most effectively live externally, the last three chapters. And as Paul is going to begin these last three chapters talking about relationships, from using your spiritual gifts in the local church to how to deal with each other in our personal dealings to children and parents to uh, employers to employees, husbands to wives. We're going to talk about all that in these next three chapters, but he begins by laying the groundwork. He begins by highlighting something first. The title of the sermon today is, But First, Unity. But First, Unity. Now, my wife, she's in the kids this morning uh, serving, bless her heart, and, um, but she has a shirt that she wears often, and it says, but first, coffee, all right? But first, coffee. 
And that is really the way that she operates. Before anything of relevance is going to happen in the morning for my wife, but first, coffee. And my bank account shows that she does not like just plain coffee. You know, we, I, I, yeah, for, uh, for, our, for our anniversary Sunday, we gave gift cards to every first-time guest. And me, not knowing this world, um, we gave $5 Starbucks gift cards to every first-time guest that came for our anniversary service. And then the other day, my wife said, hey, would you swing my Starbucks on the way home and get me a grande hot caramel, caramel, however you say it, caramel brulee latte. I'm like, okay, cool. Say it again, text it, so I got it, you know. And uh, so I ordered it, and this, the guy's like, all right, sir, it'll be 536. I'll see you at the window. I was like, what? <laughs> so then I started thinking, like, what? we're like jerks, right? Like, here, let's give you a gift card. This will pay for part of your drink at Starbucks. Like, you know, get, make sure you get a water and, like, a black coffee, and that's it. But, you know, oftentimes we have different things. But first, uh, in, in, in athletics, uh, many people have pregame rituals that they go through um, of what they do before um, a, a game. They're, I follow basketball quite heavily, and some of my favorite basketball players, uh, one in particular, um, go, he, went, he was on a podcast, he was talking through his pregame ritual, and he always says, if my pregame ritual gets messed up, I'm not going to have a good game. Like, if I don't have that time that I need, then I can tell you right now I'm going to be off. Um, and, and so... In our Christian lives, but first coffee, but first our pregame ritual, but first whatever it is we do first, Paul says, hey, before we talk about employer, employee, before we talk about husband, wife, before we talk about, you know, children and and parents, first, let's lay the groundwork of unity. Unity is one of our core values here at our church. If you've been or attended a starting point, you have heard the phrase together, not the same. Together, not the same. I think we stole that from Samsung, but it was good. It's all good. Together, not the same. Here at Keystone, we value unity with diversity. We don't all have to look the same, talk the same, dress the same, act the same, truthfully even believe the same, but we can be unified for the cause of Christ. Unity, though, is, is, is hard work. It's not a, unity is not achieved passively. Unity must be proactively pursued. Unity cannot be achieved passively. And what, what do I mean by that? We will not be a unified church if we simply come to church and sit. Because left to ourselves, how many of you are married in here? How many of you would say left to yourself, just you and your spouse, you're not going to be unified on everything if you don't work at being unified on everything. Unity is a proactive, it is an active pursuit that we must have. And as a church, we will not achieve unity. We will not become a unified church simply by showing up to church on Sundays and, and, and maybe hitting a connect group during the week. No, we must proactively pursue unity. Let's pray together this morning and then we're going to jump right into the recipe that Paul gives us for unity. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. 
God, remove any of my thoughts or the things that I would say that you would not have me say. I pray that your word would shine through. And today we would leave here uh, more unified. We would leave here committed to unity. And God, you would do something unique within our church. God, I pray that as you send people our way, they would sense the genuine unity that exists at Keystone Church. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to jump right in uh, this morning uh, because there are several points here. Uh, It's all taken straight from the text, Um, and so we're going to jump right in. Number one this morning, I want us to see this. The recipe for unity, unity requires humility. Unity requires humility. Look at verse one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. By the way, that's a, that's, that's a tough sentence that we're not even going to really unpack this morning. But to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He says, I want you to walk now based upon all of the calling that we just talked about. I want you to walk. And he says this, the first thing I want you to walk with all lowliness. Walk with all lowliness. I don't know about you. Uh, I have noticed in the first three chapters of Ephesians that Paul has hit this thing about unity a few different times. Um, we, we just in the past year have preached through the book of Philippians. And guess what? The only thing we can find in the book of Philippians that that church had a problem with was unity. And it was a brand new church. Uh, Paul seems to hit this over and over and over and over again throughout his letters to the churches. And I think he did that for good reason. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how healthy our church is. I don't care how much we get along, how unified we are. I believe we can always grow closer together in unity. Because we are a living, growing organism. And as the church, God will add people. God will take people away. God will put people in in prominent roles and God will remove them into lesser roles. God will forever be changing this living organism that we have. And so we must constantly uh, focus on unity and humility. Humility. Maybe the Ephesians needed to hear this one more time. Maybe our church needs to hear this one more time. Maybe you need to hear this one more time. Maybe I need to hear this one more time. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. By the way, I'm talking today in the context of our local church. You can take these truths on unity and apply them to your marriage. You can take these truths on unity and apply them to relationships that you have at work and things like that. These are universal applications. So think that, just be thinking that as we go through. Unity requires, requires humility. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Let me just say this this morning, if we're going to achieve unity, if you're going to achieve unity in your relationships, if we're going to achieve unity as a church, if we're going to get along with each other on a long-term basis, I'm talking about five, ten years down the road, we're going to be a tighter-knit crew than we are even right now. If we're going to achieve that, then we must get over ourselves and we must get low so that we can push other people, so that we can acknowledge who Christ 
is so that we can humble ourselves so that we can be like Christ Philippians chapter 2 so we can live a humble life we must live our lives with a biblical lowliness a humility nothing will kill a relationship like pride nothing will kill a relationship like pride and Paul speaks highly of humility Paul, I believe that Paul spoke highly of humility because it's probably something that Paul struggled with. Paul was called. Paul was uniquely called. Paul was uh, thrown into the spotlight of Christianity in a time when it was not popular. And Paul gained uh, a lot of criticism from a lot of people, but Paul gained a huge following from a lot of other people. And I believe Paul goes through what we would all go through in that situation. A struggle with being humble. So unity requires humility. And I don't know what humility looks like in your, your life specifically. I know for me, these are, these are little things and you might think they're kind of dumb. Humility to me means like if I'm at a grocery store and me and another person are kind of walking towards the same uh, checkout it's not a person anymore, right? It's a computer screen. I don't want to mess with nobody at a, at a grocery store. Just let me use my computer screen and get out of my way. But if we're walking towards the same one, go ahead. You go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I don't like getting into those like, arguments. No, no, you go ahead. No, please, please, please. That's what, to me, that's like how I, because in my nature, I'm like competitive. So like I see a little old lady coming this way and I'm coming this way. Like I'm, you know, I got to beat her. No, humility just says, hey, chill. Chill. Humility says, Hey, when you see that guy this week who asked for a handout, be wise, but be humble. Try to help appropriately. Um, humility. But not only that, unity requires, number one, humility. But number two, unity requires kindness. Requires kindness. Look at verse two. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness gentleness that is the same word that's translated kindness unity requires kindness hey if we're going to be a unified group if we are going to be all in together in one accord in one body one church one mind if that's what we're going to be then we need a revival of just good old-fashioned being kind one to another just being kind We need a revival of kind and gentle Christians. We need a revival of people that love and they care for each other and they just have a kindness that flows from them. We need a revival of Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We need a revival of kindness of kindness if we're going to be a unified church a church who gets along on a long-term basis if we're going to be able to work through our issues and our differences then we're going to have to learn to be kind to each other and can i say something that my wife teaches me and she's trying to teach me she's been trying for 12 years and i'm gonna get it one day hey josh it's not always what you say help me out it's how you say it it's how you say it Hey, listen, your tone of voice 
men. I'll speak to us. Your tone of voice can tell a lot. Hey, ladies, the, 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 maybe the, um, you know, the loudness or the softness of your voice can tell a lot. As I parent my children, do my children look at me and say that my dad is kind and gentle? And by the way, men, that's the manliest thing that you can be for your kids is kind and gentle. We need a revival in order to be a unified church of of kindness. Kindness looks like this when you know a a family in our church is struggling. Kindness says, I'm going to speak a kind word to that person. Kindness says, I'm even going to take it a step further and I'm going to reach out throughout the week. And kindness says, I'm going to take it a step further and we're going to swing by the house and we're going to drop off lunch. Or kindness says... I'm going to take it another step further. We're going to have them over to the house. Our kindness says, hey, we're going to adopt their family for Christmas and do something for them. We need a revival of just being kind one to another. Look at Acts chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And this is the word that was proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And this is talking about Jesus. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, the one we're going to celebrate throughout this entire Christmas season, the one who we have given thanks to, the one that, we have, the one that has saved our souls, he went about doing good may that be said of me when someone tries to explain keystone church hey those people just they just do good i can't explain it they just go about doing good if you don't mind i I went to melissa's dad passed away and went to his funeral And if there was an overarching theme, I would say it was that phrase right there. As her brother spoke about him, as uh, the pastor spoke about him, it was just, he was a good man. A good man. A kind man. My dad always told me this when we were first having children. My dad said, son... And this is before we had kids. He's like, son, when you have a son one day, and I'm like, come on, man, I had two girls. Anyway, but he's like, when you have a son one day, he's like, listen, don't try to make your son spiritual. Just raise a good kid. God will, work, God will take care of the rest. You don't try to make him spiritual. Just try to make him good. Just try to lead him to be good. Just try to lead him to be kind. And I hope that's said of us. Parents, I hope we're teaching our children to be kind. I hope we're teaching our children to live with lowliness and with gentleness. I hope that we as adults are modeling that to our kids. I hope that we as adults are modeling that as Christians to a a lost and unsaved world that we interact with on a daily and weekly basis. We need a revival of kindness, of gentleness. So unity, the recipe, is a dose of humility sprinkling in with some kindness at the end we're gonna have like cheesecake or something so just get ready unity is like cheesecake with strawberries on top all right so so unity requires humility it requires kindness number three and here's where we're 
We're going to come down like right here where we live. Y'all get ready. Unity requires thick skin. Unity requires thick skin. And don't, don't miss me. Don't, don't fall out to sleep right now. If you fall asleep right now, I hope your chair collapses under you. All right, so don't fall asleep right here. He says this with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering. What does long suffering mean? It literally means to suffer long. It means that when you're getting pinched in the ear, not that my parents ever did that, but somehow I know about this. If you get pinched in the ear and you start twisting, it's to suffer long and to suffer long and to suffer long and to suffer long. It's to suffer long. It's to have thick skin. And I'm not going to spend tons of time here, but I just want to practically say that a principle that we must understand and we must practice if we're going to be unified, if we're going to get along with each other, is the principle of having thick skin. Hey, in your marriage, a thick-skinned person in marriage will be able to handle so much more. A thick-skinned Uh, A spiritual person, think about it in the context of of our our church. A thick-skinned person is not going to get upset if someone uh, walks by them and doesn't like stop and say, oh, how are you? You look beautiful today. And like, oh my, have you lost 30 pounds? Like, you know, no, a thick-skinned person is going to be able to understand that other people have bad days. A thick-skinned person is going to understand that their job at this church is not to be served, but their job at this church is also to serve. Their job at this church is not to have people coming to them. Their job at this church is to go to other people. You see, it's thick-skinned. If two people are in a room by themselves, they are going to disagree. There will be disagreements. That's why the Bible says, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men. There will be conflict, and a thick-skinned Christian will be a much happier Christian. There are times as Christians, as husbands, as wives, as parents, as church members, there are going to be times where we're just going to have to take a punch right on the chin. There are going to be times when someone says something to us, and it hurts. There are going to be times, and, and a lot of times they don't even know that they're doing it. But there's going to be times when you take a right hook right off of your chin. And you know, in order to be unified, in order to, in order to have a church that, that long term gets along with each other, we're going to have to take one on the chin every now and then. And as much as we want to fire back, as much as we want to verbally fire back, we're going to have to shut up and we're going to have to stop and we're going to have to hold ourselves together. Because unity requires thick skin with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering. I want to break some news to you. Breaking news this morning. And the news is this. There are going to be times when someone talks about you. Behind your back, sometimes even to your face. I'd rather do it to my face, that way I know. But they're going to talk about you. They're going to lie about you. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to deal with you in a less than spiritual way, let's say. And we're just going to have to take it. We're just going to have to absorb it. We're going to have to be like a sponge. And we're just going to have to sometimes take the hit. In order to be 
unified. In order to be a church that in the long term gets along with each other, we are going to have to learn how to have thick skin and how to take a punch. How to take a punch. Another way of putting it is this. At some point, we're going to have to grow in our Christian walk to where we don't require other people to walk around us on eggshells. I'm going to meddle. It's all good, though. I'm going to meddle just a little bit. We all have people in our lives that we, can, that we always know, okay, right? And then we have other people in our lives where it's like, oh, what's up, man? We have people in our lives, this is the way I look, there's a, and if I had hair, we have people in our lives that we could let our hair down with. You know what? Those are the people that I'm unified with. The people that I have to tiptoe around and walk around on eggshells, I'm sorry. Like, I can't get but so close to that. I can't. Uh, it's, not, it's not spiritually possible for me. We have to have thick skin, and at some point in time, everybody else doesn't have to adjust to you. You can adjust to everybody else. Because if we're going to get along and have unity, we've got to have thick skin. We've got to have thick skin. Hey, if I'm, if I'm walking out, you know, today to my car and Bruce is, you know, let's just say we come up here at the end and something messes up up here and Bruce is mad and, and, and I've messed up the end of the sermon and I walk by and we both have something cross to say to each other. I'm like, hey man, why don't you play the guitar better? And he's like, hey man, how about you preach better? You know? You know what the truth is? If I'm having a bad day and Bruce is having a bad day, you know what needs to happen? We need to, we need to be able to say that to each other. And five minutes later, as he's pulling out the driveway, while I'm trying to call him, he's calling me. And we can't get through because we're both trying to call, hey, man, I'm really sorry about that. Hey, man, it's all good. It's all good. It's fine. We've got to be able to get to a point in our Christian lives where we're not so stinking sensitive about every little thing. You will not find unity if you cannot develop thick skin. Thick skin. You say, Josh, I mean, that was a little personal. It was. That's all good. We need that. I need that. We need to be the, the people that someone goes, did you notice what they just did to you? And you can honestly go, honestly, I really didn't. I've developed thick skin over the years. I really didn't. I didn't, I didn't feel that. I didn't. didn't. Did you? But, but I mean, they said, the way they said that to you, that was like a backhanded compliment. I didn't, I mean, I just, I love him. I gave him a hug. I, great, moving on. We've got to get to that point in our lives. Unity requires humility. It requires kindness. It requires thick skin. Fourthly, this morning, unity requires love. You say, how are we going to do this? How can I take a punch on the chin? You know how? Verse 2 says, with all lowliness and gentleness, so that's humility, kindness, and with thick skin. This is the Josh version, if you have that in your, in your, on your phone there. With all lowliness, humility, with all gentleness, kindness, with all long-suffering, thick skin. How can we do that? Bearing with one another in love. Hey, I can take a punch on the chin from someone that I love. And someone that loves me. It's like, I, I was the only child. Sorry, now it probably explains a lot to you guys now, right? Uh, I was the only child. 
But I know it's been said, and I know my dad, he had brothers and sisters, and it was always said, hey, listen, we can pick on each other all we want to. We can fight it out. Nobody else is going to. But we can pick on each other. You know why? Because we love each other. We love each other. I'm, try- I'm seeing that with my, with my girls. They love each other. They fight. All right? It is what it is. But you know what? Unity requires love. If we're going to be unified and we're going to get along long term with each other, we must love each other. Just so we can connect the dots to the previous two points. 1 Corinthians 13 says that charity or love suffers long, thick-skinned, and is kind. We're just connecting the dots. See, Paul speaks about it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. By the way, that's not a chapter about marriage. Newsflash, that's a chapter about our dealings in the local church. It can be applied to marriage, but look at it in context. It's about how you deal with each other in the local church. So charity, love, suffers long and is kind. We can be unified with those that we love with a Christ-centered love. We will be unified with people that we love. Listen, we'll be able to take a punch on the chin from somebody that we love. Hey, we'll be able to handle somebody saying a cross word to us in a bad moment because we love them, because we have a relationship built with them. We've earned that trust. We've earned that. My wife and I have known each other for 14 years, I think. We've been married for 12 and a half years. We've known each other a little bit longer than that. Right around 15 years, we've been married about 12 and a half years. And guess what? Over the years, our love has grown for one another. And guess what? Some things that I used to say that used to really tick her off, you know what? We've kind of worked through them. And the things she used to say or do or whatever that used to make me mad, I don't know what they were. She never did anything wrong. But whatever they were, guess what? Now, I mean... We've grown in our love. It's, it's all good. It's fine. Unity requires love. And listen at our church, as you integrate into our church, as you meet new people in our church, I want to beg you and ask you, because I believe Bible, the Scripture commands it, that we love one another. We have a real, genuine love. One person for the other. We're going to move right along. We've got two more points. I see the time, and y'all are hungry. So I'm going to get you. I got you. Unity. Here we go. We've got a dose of humility. We're going to sprinkle in some kindness. We've got a whole heap of thick skin to throw in there. I don't know how that's going to taste. But we've got to throw a whole heap of thick skin in there in our recipe. Uh, and then we've thrown in a little bit of love. All right? We got a little bit. We dumped in some love. That's good. Here's the tough part. Unity requires work. It requires work. Yeah, Josh, I'm just going to make this mental decision and then I'm, I'm good. No, no, no. Unity requires work. Look at verse 3. It says, endeavoring to keep this, the, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring. That's an active verb. That is, a, that is a, 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 an act that we must do. That is work that we must take on. It's self-explanatory, but unity will take some work. And let me just say this. Unity takes some hard work. Hey, listen, if you've listened to the first four points and you're like, man, I really struggle with the thick-skinned thing. Like, I'm just a very sensitive person. Well, guess what? Becoming thick-skinned and being able to be unified through that is going to take some hard work on your part. Hey, it's hard work for me to shut my mouth and not say something when I want to say something. Hey, it's hard work for me not to dwell on something that I don't need to dwell on. 
It's hard work. It's a spiritual discipline that we must all grow in. It requires work. It's not easy. It's not easy to be thick-skinned. It's not easy sometimes to love the unlovable. It's not easy to be humble. And let's be honest, it's not easy to be kind. But we must consistently work toward the goal of being unified. It takes work. Hey, listen, it takes cleaning the house and inviting someone over for dinner. Hey, it takes not going to Starbucks, you know, three times, and you could go to the Angus Barn with somebody. I'm just kidding. But it takes, a, it takes skipping Starbucks for the week because you want to save the money to take someone that you work with out to lunch. It just takes a little bit of discipline. It takes a little bit of work. Hey, it takes a little bit of work to say, hey, you know what? The person that kind of, she didn't really know it, but there was this issue and she's down. You know, it takes work to walk over there and talk that through. Hey, it takes work. Hey, that guy, he completely ignored the situation that happened right in front of him. He completely ignored it. It takes work to deal with problems and become unified. It takes work. And you know what? I'm willing to work. I'm willing to be a hard worker in those areas because unity requires work. And as the pastor of this church, I'm willing to put in the work to create environments where we can become more unified. I think last Sunday night we had our Thanksgiving service. I'm all about creating environments like that because I feel like as we came together last Sunday, there was over 100 people here last Sunday. More people more people to Thanksgiving service than was at church. I, I, I digress. I'm not going there. But anyway, more people there than was at church. But I... I want to create environments for unity. I want to create environments where we hear hear people's stories and we fall in love with people. I was talking to somebody this morning and he said, listen, me and my wife got to sit with, and he mentioned another family in the church. He said, we really got to know them on Sunday night. Like we had never really gotten to know them since we've been in the church. Creating environments for unity. We must work at it. Recipe for unity, humility, kindness, Thick skin, love, work, and then lastly, and I don't want to underemphasize this, unity requires theological grounding. Theological grounding, look at verses 4 and 5. Paul just reminds them, hey, there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Paul just says, hey, listen, guys, I want to remind you. There's a lot of theology that we can unpack. I mean, we can unpack all of those. But he says, listen, you must ground this, the crust, to the cheesecake. Right? Man, sounds good. The crust to the cheesecake is theology. You ever tried to make a cheesecake and not have it in crusts? It's going to be all over the place. I've never tried it, but I'm assuming somebody has at some point in time. It's going to be all over the place. You know what you need, that crust? You know what that crust does? It grounds it. It tastes good, too. But you know what it does? It keeps everything together. That's what it does. And our theology, understanding the theological truths, helps us to stay grounded in unity. This goes back to the universal truth that we have been talking about in Ephesians is that we must have a grounding theologically before we have practical application. We must, once again, as I said at the beginning, we must know before we 
go. We must understand what the Bible says before we implement that in our lives. If we're going to be truly unified, we must not ground our unity in our feelings. We must not ground our unity into our circumstances. We must not ground our unity into a place, brick and mortar building. We must not ground our unity even in other people. We must ground our unity in the theological truth of God's word. That's exactly why we preached in Ephesians chapter 3 on being a multi-ethnic church. It's not because that's what I wanted to preach. It's because theologically we believe that there was truth to that. And that's where we're going we're to stand on. Well, listen, unity is a theological truth. Unity obviously makes sense practically because you'd rather be in a unified relationship than one with disunity. But it is a theological truth that is grounded in God's word. And so at the end of the day, when you don't feel like being unified with that other brother or sister in Christ or that spouse, guess what? It's a theological truth. And it's grounding as in God's word. It's not grounded in how you feel. It's not grounded in how they treated you. It's not grounded in what they did or did not say to you. It is grounded in the fact that God's word teaches it. And God's word commands it. And so I'm going to work at it. God's word teaches it and God's word commands it. So I'm going to make it a priority. Anything we do, we must ground it theologically so that we will long-term practice it. If we're going to be a church and be the church that God has called us to be, then we're going to have to work. Work hard. Work intentionally at being unified. You know, in California, every year, there are wildfires. And I don't know, I'm not a firefighter, I'm not the son of a firefighter, I've never fought a fire in my life. However, logic would tell you that at some point in time, somewhere way out in the wilderness, somewhere, there was that first flame. I don't know where it originated. They probably can't even trace it back. But somewhere, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, there was the first flame. And you know what I want to be as a Christian? I want to be that guy that just has a little 20-ounce cup of water. Gets that flame out. And walks around and sees another one and just pours that water on it. You know what I don't want to do as a Christian? I don't want to let little flames start to lap up and start to get up to my knees and start to come up a little bit and then I've got to get the fire extinguisher out and I've got to then what I really don't want to do is ignore it there and say oh my goodness and now we've got to call you know, the fire department and here they've got to send the engines here and we've and we got it under control you know what happens in some places they don't even deal with it then the whole place burns down you know what unity is best dealt with when disunity flames up and we just we just squelch it we just squelch it. Listen, there was, a, there was a situation that started, you know what, I'm going to take care of it before it gets too big. Hey, listen, he said this, and before I let that get to me, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. In love, in humility, in kindness. I'm going to deal with it. Because what I don't want to be, I don't want to be fire truck Christians. I want to be spark Christians. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. If we're going to be a united church, we have to work at unity. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, this is, if this is your marriage, this is my spouse. This is my husband or this is my, my wife. These, these are my parents. These are my children. Hey, church family, these are, this is my family. 
These are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I want unity in all of my relationships. God teaches it throughout his word. Paul teaches it throughout his letters. People that look differently, think differently, come from different backgrounds, have different skin color, have different bank account balances. These people must live and serve together and love together in unity. In unity. You say, Josh, why did you preach this message today? That's pretty simple. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, because we finished chapter 3 last week. Next week, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Get ready for that one if you want to you prepare yourself. But at the end of the day, God places these texts and these passages right where we need them, right when we need them. I don't know what your relationships look like. I don't know what your marriages look like. I don't understand. No one has reached out to me and said, hey, Josh, here's a situation in my life that, that is, there's disunity. No, it's just that God leads me to a book and then God leads me to passages and God leads me to verses and then we take the next one. And so if God spoke to your heart this morning, let me, let me rest assured to you that this was God working on your heart and not a pastor trying to influence and maneuver through his church. Because next week we'll talk about spiritual gifts and I don't know where you're at on that either, but you're going to hear about it and we're going to preach about it. I don't know where you're at in your relationships, but I will say this. In every single relationship that we have, our spiritual relationship vertically and all of our horizontal relationships that we have in this world, we can all grow closer together in unity. We can always be closer together today than we were yesterday. We can always be closer together in our relationships tomorrow than we are today. With God, with man. Whether it's your wife your husband, whether it is another brother or sister in Christ within your church, whether it's somebody that you work with, whether it's a cousin, whether it's a, a, a grown child that's moved out of the house, whatever it is, can we grow in unity? Heavenly Father, we love you today. And God, we will not effectively reach our community if when someone shows up from our community into our church and they, we, they wade deeper and deeper into our church if they find out that we don't get along. They find out that we have problems with unity. And God, I pray that you would shield our church. God, you would shield our church from those issues. God, I pray that as people move into our church and as people get acclimated and settled into our church, they think even better of us the deeper that they get into our church. That they see Christ's love even more shown they see a spirit of unity and harmony in our lives even more as they get to know us even better. God, I pray we don't just use unity as a facade, but God, unity becomes a part of our culture. It becomes a part of who we are as a church. And God, I pray for families that unity becomes a part of who they are as families, who we are as husbands, wives, parents. God, I pray that we would seek unity. God, we work at it. God, we develop that thick skin, that love, that kindness, that humility. God, may we humble ourselves in order to create unity. Today, the invitation is pretty simple to Christians. If there's an area or situation in your life that we touched on today, I believe it'd be nice if we did some business and prayer to God about what he spoke to us about this morning. And if you're unsaved this morning or I guess a way would be if you've never believed on the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Can I just say this, that 
the ultimate unity that we want is unity with our Creator. Unity with God. And you know what? Because of our sin, because the fact that we have disobeyed or we have lied or we have said an unkind word, because of our sin, we do not have unity with God. We're separated from God. And that's where we all were in the same boat. But God knew that and He sent His Son Jesus 2,000 plus years ago to live on this earth that we walk on today. Lived in the Middle East. He lived a perfect life. You know that life that you can't live? The life that I can't live? He lived a sinless life. It was miraculous. He was born of a virgin. Most miraculous birth ever and lived the most miraculous life ever. A sinless life. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death and so you and I and our sin because we've sinned we deserve death and what Jesus came to do is live the life that we couldn't live but then he died the death that we were supposed to die as a sinner you and I deserve to die and to be separated from God eternally in a place called hell but the good news is this morning the gospel is this that Jesus Christ died the death that you deserve to die he was buried and he rose again Easter Sunday three days later and he now reigns in victory over sin over hell and over all the evil of this world and this morning you can be unified to God but you can only be unified to God one way and Jesus says this I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me. Jesus said there's one door to enter into a unified relationship with God. There's one door, and that door has Jesus written all over it. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.